Kia ora. Welcome to Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. I'm Andrew Dixon. It's good to have you here. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations. It's amazing how much the world changes between episodes. If you're listening to this soon after release, then you'll know the conversation in the atmosphere has quickly shifted from coronavirus to racism, with the death of black man George Floyd at the hands of white police in the US. Ingrained systemic racism is something that we'll definitely address directly in future episodes, as the heaven I believe in is one where reconciliation occurs, and when that comes to race, that means listening to and learning from those who are not in the seat of privilege. The oppressed, the broken, the vulnerable, the marginalised. Today's conversation doesn't directly tackle these current events, but we do talk about loving the vulnerable, the oppressed and the marginalised, and about looking at situations holistically, because it isn't always as black and white as we make out. Jeremy Famuina is someone with a huge heart for those different to himself, We talk about his journey through a number of different workplaces and the growth that has gone on in him through encounters with God through others. Among other things, we talk about youth support, holistic interaction with families, adoption, and his interaction with and support for the LGBTQI plus and deaf communities, alongside his and Shelley's work with Samoan Victim Support. This interview actually took place at the end of 2019, and it was to be released earlier this year, but then the lockdown came, and so I waited to release it until schools were back, because Jeremy works at Hayata Community Campus in Christchurch. And I want to honour all those who work in our schools, shaping all of our young people. And as you listen to the ways Jeremy is supporting the community at Hayata, remember that the need is now much higher post-lockdown. Just a note also, that the audio isn't at our usual quality, as this was recorded before Ignition Networks hooked me up with better quality gear, Um, but it is very listenable. Occasionally there is a bit of banging on the microphone, uh, and that's simply Jeremy's ula that he is wearing around his neck. Uh, But an encouraging, inspiring and challenging conversation, this is episode 7 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Jeremy Famuina. A friend of mine who said, hey, there's a lady by the name of Lena Chang and she runs an organisation called Someone Victim Support. And at that stage I'm thinking, victims? What the heck? Not in my country. And I didn't realise there was there was an organisation that did this. So, which led to us meeting her, um, which was an hour meeting, cried a lot, um, taught us about the children that were there. So these are kids that can't go back home through abuse or neglect. Uh, then we said, let's meet the kids. That was Shelley and I at the time. Um, and then we met the kids and that was it. We felt God say, this is it. Now build into this. Here today with Jeremy Famuina. Kia ora, Jeremy. No here, queer. Who are you, bro? Where are you from? Okay, uh, Jeremy born and bred. Uh, Porirua, Wellington. Someone descent. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Hurricanes? Oh, totally. Hardcore. Yeah, Never awesome. changed. Never changed, bro. Never changed. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's why you got invited on this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, as, as I've talked to you about, yeah. this this podcast is about talking to ordinary people who are doing ordinary things that are helping show what Jesus meant when he said, mm. may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um and so, yeah, just keen to hear some of your story today. So I was thinking back to when I first met you and um, you came up to Auckland when I was living up there mm-hmm. and you you just sort of recently started at a church plant yep. called Highway. Yep, that's right. Um, but your role before that had been like buying shoes? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what Heads was that about? That. Yeah, no, so, so I used to be in the, um, the business sector uh, and, and my role there was a general manager, so the role cool. was to obviously buy shoes for a shoe company, uh, travel and look after staff, yep. and keep turnover going, keep yep. keep, keep 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 the purses deep. Yep. <laughs> nice. And 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 what led to a shift to this church plant thing? Um, 
Yeah, that was a bit of a bomboozle, that one. It was a bit of a setup. Yeah. I think initially, and that was from Glenn and Jackie France. Yeah. Uh, Donald and Janice were part of that. Um, Scott, um, um, Barry, and Esther Dodge at that stage. Uh, and it was just around setting up a home group or connect group in Kaipo, and they felt they felt there was a need to um, set up another church there um, because we lived in the area. Made made sense, um, but I've always been all about people, so yeah. and that's where it all started. Cool. Yeah. And I, the next time I met you, you were up in Palmy mm. uh, doing the, the youth thing. Yeah. And um, yeah. and you had this thing called United Flavors. That's right. Yeah. Tell us a bit about where did that come from? What what was that about? Yeah, sure. So we did. Yeah. So prior to going up to Palmy, so we did. It was four years in. You come up four years in in Kaipui, oh, yeah. in the plant, and then felt God say move up to the North mm. Island. Um, that came through a series of dreams and, and just sort of hearing from him, and then did that. And then the whole idea was we were up in Palmy, and we realised with the trees that we were in, we were all, um, upper middle class, mm. uh, Pakeha, and uh, our backyard was um, Highbury, which was brown, predominantly um, uh, Māori slash Pasifika. And so the whole thought was, well, we need to do something because we're not reaching these guys, and yeah. and and our church looked totally different. Um, but prior to that, I think there was a ch- church plant in Highbury at that stage that Glenn, Glenn and Jackie France were part of as well, the set up people. Um, and then um, they had left, and then these guys were just doing their own thing. So it just made sense just to reconnect. Uh, the, just even the name of that that came through. Um, it was a, it came through one of uh, our apostolic meetings with Fraser at the time. I think it was, and I just remember sitting because I did a devotion that morning with with my heroes, and that would have been that was um, Glenn was part of that at that stage. That was uh, Donald, uh, Cindy, um, Greg. And so I had to do a devotion. I thought, oh, I was, a bit, I was a bit stumped on what to share. And so I went up, this is Fraser's house up in Hamilton, sat up on the bench, just sort of prayed, and I had this thought, man, what we, the Palmy thing came back into my head, like, what are we doing about that? How are we reaching these people? And I thought, what if we were to run an event uh, that catered around family, food and fun? Like, everyone loves that sort of stuff. And I thought, oh, cool, let's, you know, but it was, it was youth-orientated, because I'm always been passionate about the next generation, Shelley and I. And so... We thought, oh, we should call it United Front, and we thought, oh, actually, we're, we're probably cutting out all the brown people. So, no, that's not going to yeah. work. And then we thought, oh, so, so, United, United so, Tribes. Sounds a bit far right, eh? United, yeah, pretty United much. And, then, and it was like, how about United Tribes now? We're cutting out all the, all the white people. Um, and I just happened to see, uh, it was a mixed bag of lollies that came a picture in my oh, head. Awesome. And it just made me think of, you know, in a mixed bag, there's everything. And so, hence the name United Flavors was birthed, and this youth event started. And ran for four years, um, engaging youth from as further down as um, Porirua and Wellies all the way up to Auckland. And this was yeah. It was just a week, a weekend where we all got together and hung out and stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and um, while you were up there, mm-hmm. you started to be involved with Samoa. Um, yeah. So that tell that, us a bit about that. Yes. Yeah, sure. So that was a. That was my first year in Palmy, and I had a dream, but um, the dream was that a, a thing called uh, leading, oh, not leading with excellence, uh, CBT, mm-hmm. Church Vocational Training in Waikanae. And I just remember, because I've, I've, I mean, I've always sort of been okay with my culture, um, but I've always sort of had this thing, this rule, well, I don't know really about it, really. And a lot of the stuff that I knew was, was all the bad stuff. And so I was in Waikanae uh, one of the nights, had a dream, and in that dream I was... Um, and a someone funny because I can remember that because I had no walls. Fraser was there, he was speaking, and I was interpreting in someone for him. And I haven't, I haven't, that, that says I didn't delve back into the language at all for quite a while because mum brought us up in English because she wanted us to get ahead yeah. when she migrated from the islands. And so I wake up and I was actually praying in someone. Wow. And then I was like, okay, and I've got to do something about this. Kept it real tight, sat on it for six months, prayed. And then another friend of mine who was a school teacher in Palmy had all this resource, and he goes, hey, how about, we, uh, how about we give this to somebody? I said, bro, how about we just go to do a road trip to Samoa? And that's how it started. And that's how the journey started with Samoa, which has been the journey of the last sort of 10 years, um, uh, which made us taking resources and meeting up with different people. Uh, and the, the big thing for us was we were doing all this stuff, like we'd taken a lot of books and mm-hmm. containers, and, and we were like macking out all the schools, and it was really cool. I thought, man, this is great, pat ourselves on the back, let's retire, and yay, let's, let's go to the Pearly Gates. It was that sort of thing, and I thought, 
but then I felt I, it was after the second year, second year, second and a half year, uh, we felt God say, um, actually, I need you to focus now. And then we happened to uh, collide with a lady, um, and a friend of mine who said, hey, there's a lady by the name of Lena Chang, and she runs an organisation called Samoan Victim Support. And at that stage, I'm thinking, victims? What the heck? Not in my country. And I didn't realise there was there was an organisation that did this. So, <clears throat> which led to us meeting her, um, which was an hour meeting, cried a lot, um, taught us about the children that were there. So these are kids that can't go back home through abuse or neglect. Uh, then we said, let's meet the kids. That was Shelley and I at the time. Um, and then we met the kids and that was it. We felt God say, this is it. Now build into this. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that sounds to me like there's a real mix of the ordinary and the extraordinary. You know, the yeah. you know, there's some people would say that, you know, you're talking about having dreams and mm. hearing hearing God in that. Yeah. I mean, we all have dreams and and yet often we write them off. Yeah. Um, but you've taken some of them seriously and that's led you to Palmy, that's led you to Samoa. Um, yeah. And actually, dreams are quite an ordinary thing, but there's something extraordinary that's happened as you've embraced them. Yeah. Um, and then even you know meeting this lady, mm. that's actually a, an ordinary thing, but you allowed it to to do something in you. Yeah, um, totally. And so, yeah, what what has been, I guess, the biggest um, encouragement for you while you've been working with uh, someone victim support? But also, what's the biggest challenge for you um, in, in doing that as well? Yeah, I, th- I think there's that thing, like, you, like you're saying, Andy, you know, where do you go with a dream? Mm. And is it just a dream? Mm. Um, and if we look through scripture, and there's a lot of dreamers, and I'll, I'll probably class myself as a bit of a dream. I dream a lot. I just, my, I go, you know, I can be sitting with you five minutes later, I'll be, I'm, I'm in another world again. And I think there's that whole thing of actually, um, am I going to risk that and actually let him take a hold of that dream mm-hmm. and, let him, and let him do what he has to do? without me trying to formulate and get my plan together. <laughs> um, and I, I think from those dreams and just the different things that we've, we've done with, within, within that, uh, just like someone victim support, when you, when you engage in community in that way, where it's not just a hat, you know, I'm going to give a donation, or actually, well, that's really sad, and hey, take this, and yeah. what else do you need? Uh, there has to be an engagement, and then again, I have, I get, I'm quite visual, so the visual pictures will come to my head. And there was a, a visual picture of a kiss where, where a husband and wife or two wives of a husband, they have that embrace. But there's something in that, that that's actually really, um, really intimate. And I, for us, I just felt God say, if we're not going to be like that mm-hmm. with the community, then, then we really don't get it. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably the biggest thing I learned is actually in, in order to feel, I need to be part of that. Mm-hmm. So, so your, your way in was through... The charity kind of giving yeah. and whatever, yep. And then there was a deeper connection beyond there was a deeper that. Deeper connection, yeah, yeah, cool. Because um, it had to it had to change. Mm. So there's, and I, I find, and a lot of those things that, that I again, I've just just me personally, when I hear from God, it's when it moves from my head to my heart and I can't move it. I know it's of Him. Mm. I can't. I'm not that clever. There's certain things I think where did that come from, mm. you know. But I just know. I think because as you journey within that in that sort of sphere. You're so used to it, mm. it becomes your, it becomes second nature. So you just do what you do because you know yeah. it's going to work because yeah. it's him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah cool. So that's probably the biggest, the big learning things in all yeah. And again, when you're up close with a young person, like, and you know, I'm a, I'm a dad of five, and you know, and up front with a young person that, that hasn't had a father figure or a mother figure, uh, you don't have to be saved to feel, mm. <laughs> um, but you need to be open. Um, so what could happen in those moments? Mm. And I think for us, that's, just, that's what really s- s- flipped the script even more so, thinking, I'm, okay, well, this is actually his kids. Yeah. I'm in a position of, of, of just amazement, just, just being in that position, sitting with these people. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm non-born in Samoa, and I'm, I'm, I'm that plastic person. So to get all this favour, it, it's definitely a God thing. Mm. It's, I just know. Because yeah, <laughs> I know it in my heart, mm. you know? And, and is it that seeing these kids as God's kids um, that has led you to like the adoption route? Yeah, yeah, totally. Cause, um, and again, that that happened through um, after we met the kids. I think it was about six months later. Um, we had we flew back into Samoa, did some more, did some more stuff around imagination with young people, uh, and then me and Shelley had a, 
took that knowledge because oh, I feel we need to do more. And I'm thinking, oh, cool, like, you know, what's she thinking? Okay, no, I've already I've pretty much taken this, taken half of Palmy out, you know, in terms of resources. I'm like, far out, what else does she want? And then, uh, but it's like, Shelly goes, no, no, it, it has to mean something to us. And that's what really, that's what really threw me. I said, what do you mean? She goes, like, but what are we going to do as a family? And it changed it, changed it again. Mm. It wasn't about us taking teams, but actually us personally, how's this affecting us? And she goes, I think we need to adopt. And then my, my first thought was, oh my gosh, we've got three kids. Let's, I'm not into even numbers, even though I'm OCD-like. But she's like, I think we need to adopt. And then I just looked and I said, okay, well, if you really feel this is what God's saying, then I'm, I'm with you. Even though I didn't feel it at the time, I said, well, I trust you on this. And so I went with it. And then it was like a week later, I, I, I had a collision in the game of God in my way and just realised this is what we needed to do. And hence, you know, two kids down the track, you know. I'm really grateful again because every kid deserves a mum or a dad. Yeah. Every kid deserves to be loved, and I guess because I, I wasn't brought up with a dad, um, again that just it made more sense for me. Like you know, he first adopted me in that sense, with all my stuff. Surely I can do the same for others. I'm just and I'm just following an example mm-hmm. of what he's what he's led up, and that's how I started. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess hearing in the background of that that um, like there's that that kind of idea of if if there's something worth doing. There's a cost to it. Oh, it's huge. Um, yeah. And do you find, I guess, as you engage with wider Christianity, um, mm-hmm. local church, whatever, is that the bit that's missing? That there's not everybody out doing all this sort of stuff, or like, yeah. I don't know, what do you what do yeah. you see in that? Yeah, I th- I think there's a little bit of that. I I think because again, just my own views, but I sort of think through the through the years we've sort of dumbed it down a bit. Mm. Um, you know, gone are the days when you just sold everything up for the core, you know. You guys coming down to the south, mm. oh my gosh, that's a sell-up. That's, you're yeah. doing what, you, what you're doing, what he's called you guys to do. So I think I think there's there's been a real dumbing down of that within our yeah. local churches. I've actually, but why not? Why not give everything up, you know? Uh, people ask us even around the adoption, but why? You know, why do that? I said, well, why not? Mm. <laughs> And then there's this, and then what people don't realise is, so we we had got in our own mindset, we had worked through it as a family that we weren't going to see Shelley for a year. That's yeah. how long it takes. Yeah. So again, you've got to go through all that sort of stuff mentally, and just so you knew what we, what you're actually in for. That's yeah. that's what it was all about. So I think there's a, I th- I think within the churches today we don't because we don't hear enough of those stories. Mm. And I think like you mentioned earlier on about you know Ritani and Tequila, you know I love those guys dearly, and oh my gosh, there's so much happening. Within their world, that again, that's those are those little gold nuggets that others will take and think, okay, where am I with this now? Mm-hmm. But there is there is a there's a big gap from actually what what we read um, to actually what our reality is. Yeah, and I I think I mean for me, my thesis study was half of my thesis was on the Good Samaritan, <laughs> and um, the number of times I've heard someone preach on the Good Samaritan and then kind of finish by saying, so why don't you start with the person next to you? And now having having studied it, oh, I spent nine months studying that one passage and like everything in me is screaming, no, that's the entire point of this passage is that it's not the person next to you. You know, the person next to you is probably a lot like you, but this is about the people that aren't like you or the people that, yeah, totally. that, that are different or that, you know, the mm. people that you're not necessarily comfortable around. Yeah. Um, and and so finding ways to to make that the new normal. Um, yeah. Because I think that to me, I look at Jesus and go, well, that's that's what he wanted. Actually, as normal was this community where everyone's being embraced and yeah, totally. You know, all, all those on the margins are totally welcome and mm. not only welcome to be there, but welcome to be there and be who they are there. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so so then I think in in my growing up, I've looked at stories like yours and gone, "Wow, those people are amazing. They're extraordinary. You know, they're they're the crazy people that are." And actually, now I've realised that actually, people who are doing the sort of thing you're doing are actually the people who have got what the gospel is. You mm. know, that the gospel is actually the story of transformation in life that is about loving people and changing them and. And yeah. that there's a cost to that, you know. When Jesus said, "Take up your cross," like it was a metaphor, but it wasn't like just a throwaway line, no. you know. Um, that actually we're we're called to pick up challenges and hard things. Um, 
so yeah, I just totally love this, this what you guys are up to and, and how you're doing it. Um, as well as the, the Samoa being a big, big part mm-hmm. of your last 10 years, you, you came back to Christchurch um, yep. and uh, then you found yourself back in shoes again. Yeah. Um, was that something that um, you always knew was short term or...? Yeah, yeah, I'll lose, yeah, the shoes was just a means of getting food on the table. Yeah. Um, but we had done four years. We felt we were only going to be in Palmy for five years. Um, Cooper, I know it's not Cooper, Harrison had a dream again. Yeah. Uh, when he, um, before he even left to go to Palmy to check it out, um, he saw me hopping out of a plane. Um, but it was real clear to him he saw the um, four years, not five. Yeah. And so we were literally there four years on the dot and we left. And I think, that says we just finished our adoption through... Esme, we were, I, was, I was there for three months, come back, I was pretty sick and broken, I was pretty tired, um, we had a change in leadership at that stage, and so just, and then Esme, Esme being deaf, we had a lot as a family, where do we go, do we go to Auckland or do we go to Christchurch, because those, those were the two places where the deaf community were really strong, unfortunately Palmy doesn't have it, um, yeah, a little sure. bit, so again we had to make that call as a family, where do we go, yeah. uh, we just felt came down to um, came down to Christchurch one Christmas or oh, that was at the end of that year um, happened to um, catch up my old boss in shoes and said hey look we're looking at coming down here maybe what's your thoughts because I've got a house and I've got a job when can you start and I said I said, I said but just so you know I've been doing this for the last well probably for the last yeah five, nine years at that stage yeah. and um, so I'll be in and out and he goes no that's fine look it's here for you if you want it and again, so that was it. We just, um, but prior to that even happening, um, before I met him, um, I was mowing the lawn at Glenn and Jackie's house because we were looking after their house. And there was a monarch butterfly, I remember real clear. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm such a big believer that he'll speak through anything. If he can yeah. speak through a donkey, he'll speak through whatever. And um, this, this monarch butterfly was following me up and down as I was doing the lines, doing Glenn's grass because he's so OCD like me. And I just wonder why this, this butterfly was following me. And so, as you do, I rang a good friend who used to be a professor at Palmy. I said, hey, what's up with these monarch butterflies? Give me the history of them. And he said, they always migrate to the south where it's safe. And then I just thought, okay. So that was a god. Sweet. And that was it. Read the mind, and, and we were there. And again, so, you know, all these little things had real significance for me in the big picture. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, I've just been doing this ministry stuff for years and on end. Like, mm. I'm going back and show this is crazy. But I always knew I had to be back into the community. I just thought that's where it was at. So I did the shoes for about eight months. And I, was, I think it was after the first month I said to my boss, look, I really hate this. <laughs> and I said, but what would you like me to do? He goes, can you, can, you, can you hang it out for me? I just need you to do this. I need you to do some training, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, no. Because, because I really value this guy and I love him to bits. I said, no, so I'll, I'll be there. It was probably after the third month. Oh, bro, this is really bad. You're paying me for nothing. Like, you know, because I, again, I'm like, like a man of integrity. I just want to, I don't want to get all this money and do jack. He said, no, can you hold up for another couple of months and see where we go? And I said, okay, but I'm going to start looking. And so I started looking, uh, applied for other jobs in community. One was Te Oroho, mm-hmm. uh, one was uh, Canterbury Trust, uh, another one was uh, to do with youth sector as well. And they all, uh, they all came back and offered me a job, but I remember the uh, Te Oroho one was only a six-month contract mm-hmm. uh, without no guarantees of actually you know, carrying through or whatever. Right. Um, went home, talked to Shelley, we prayed about it, had a dream. I just saw me there for every year, sweet ass. <laughs> so we stayed. Went there. After that six months, I got offered full time to carry through. So again, there was all these yeah, things. I just, again, I just, I just knew it was God. I love this this whole thing of finding God in the ordinary things. Totally. You know, the the butterfly thing. It still actually required you to then go. Okay, I feel like this could be a thing. Yeah, I need to do some work, so, some mahi to find out about this. Yeah, um, and again, I I I feel like so often as Christians we're waiting for this lightning bolt, mm. and we're missing just the light that's around us all the time. Hugely, you know, and yeah. and so um, yeah, it's like we we don't see the electricity because it's powering all the stuff, so we're waiting for the lightning bolt so we can see it, and, yeah. and yet actually. It's there all the time, and, and I, I just love that idea. You know, you're you're seeing things, and then you're fo- you're chasing after that. And and I imagine there's sometimes you do that, and then you're like, oh, that was nothing. 
um, yeah, yeah. and key to buy. Yeah, um, totally. And, and I think it's the thing about if you don't journey through it and yeah. just to check where you're at, then you'll never know. Yeah. And I just think, you know, he's, he's a god of wonder. Yeah. And so again, that sort of, man, he's, when he's a god of creativity, surely, surely there's going to be something in this. And so I've, I've always been like that. <laughs> I, I love this idea because I love the idea of it because I'm a real planner and I'm like I'm a man of certainty. Um, like and and so, so I love when you're going, oh, I had this dream and it was like, I love this. Oh, sweet. You yeah. know, and, and for me, that that's I find that really challenging. Um, but I also find God in that, you know, yeah. that, that actually I like to be in control because then I feel safe. But actually that doesn't give God a lot of wiggle room. Um, yeah. And so that's like part of my journey is learning to let go of some of that control and to trust. And, and I love that, um, you know, this this whole thing that you're, you're going, oh, we felt God saying this and so we trusted him and we, we stepped out into that to see where it would go. Um, yeah. And it hasn't always gone where you expected it to, but, no, but it's no, totally. led you on a, a big adventure. And so... Yeah. Yeah. So, so what were you doing at Torahu? So, you had we had the contract for the attendance from the Ministry of Education. So, our role was to holistically look at different ways of engaging young people and their whanau back into school. Right. And and we just did that. Well, I did that through a pastoral lens. Mm. Okay. So it was always breaking bread, like biscuits, tea. Hey, what's up? Mm. How you going, then? What's happening? You know. So, and so engaging with the whole family, not whole, the whole family. Yeah. So and that was a big thing, and, and I've always been that way of you know you get a young person, you get their whānau. That's how it works. Mm. Like God got me, he got all my family. That's how it works. So that was that whole concept of actually, I'm just going to go and hang out, and let's see what they have to say without trying to overthink it. And like, I think you just even you're saying like oh, I used to be that guy 15 odd years ago that I needed to know exactly where I was going. If I didn't have that roadmap or that or that framework, man, catch you up, I'm out of <laughs> But the fact that I th- my revelation for me was I just had to give it give it over to him because you know if, if he truly holds my tomorrows and why why am I why am I so faced about a lot of this stuff, mm. and I guess and that's how it's been for the last fifteen plus years, but that was the role within Tiaroho and so did that, and through that, um, built a really good rapport within the Ministry of Education with within Oranga Tamariki within uh, Ministry of Social Development, within the local prison within Tapunawai our youth prison, um, which led to other opportunities to sort of scope out. So I was, in, I was off those guys about two and a half years, and then Hayata came up um, as a brand new school. So that's where we're sitting at the moment, is yeah. Hayata? Yeah, brand new school on the east side, uh, a combination of four closing schools, a lot of brokenness in the community. Um, yeah, and um, I was actually here just helping them with the, I was the external partner to help interview four councillors. Right. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, hey, but we need you, bro. And I said, I'm really not looking, but thank you. <laughs> And then I just, and then again, it was that whole thing. Okay, that's weird. Let me just check that out with my wifey. Mm. So I spoke to Shelley. What do you think, babe? Um, I'd been, you know, I was happy to stay, stay with Tiro for another two odd years. I felt that was where I was at. And it's every move that I've made has always been around that four year mark. So mm. this was really weird coming like two and a half years and wait a minute. <laughs> mm. there's, this, there's that stirring again. There's that inkling. Okay, where do we go from here? And again, came to the school, met up with the kids, and I know a lot of them from the area. Um, and I thought, okay, well, be a bit sure, what do you think? And, and that's it, both of us, we weren't too sure. Mm. So I said, oh, well, should we just put it out there and let's see what happens? And, and it happened? Oh, it happened, I saw a monarch butterfly. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and there's a whole group of them yeah. at the school. I went, oh, oh, well, let's give it a go. And that was it. <laughs> awesome. I love, um, before we get a little bit into, into what yeah. you're doing here, I love it as you were talking about like all the different organisations you've got involved in. Mm. Um, that's because like a lot of particularly white middle upper class people look at those who are truant, those mm. not going to school, and go, they need to pull finger or they need to yeah. get their act together. And yet you're going, there's there's this whole holistic thing going on mm. that there are byproduct of yeah totally and and that actually it's not just about them needing to turn up to school there's there's other stuff going on yeah um and i, I think that's really easy to miss um i know from from my time working for pathway trust with the, mm. the guys who'd come out of prison um yeah you know that was a huge thing for me and i, I it removed some of those 
cultural prejudices or those yeah. um, I don't know if I'd ever said it but I'd probably definitely thought it of oh they just need to get off their bums and get a job <laughs> yes and, I and these guys had worked so hard to try and find someone who would give them a job and no one would and and then we did and it was just like for some of them that was just like the best thing that ever happened to them that somebody gave them a job because yeah. nobody would um, exactly and yet you know, sitting in the background not knowing any of that, I'd been going, oh, they just got off their bums and got a job, you know. And, yeah. and so I, I love this idea that you're treating people holistically, that mm. that actually you're seeing that there's more going on than what we see at surface, at face value. Yeah, totally. And, and I think it's it's like that for anybody. Mm. You know, we all have our stuff. You know, there's always something at the bottom of that iceberg. You only see the top bit, mm. but... As we all know, like, I mean, I wouldn't be here if somebody else didn't give me the time. You know, so I think, well, there's examples for that. And, and like, as we read the description, I thought, man, they, you know, it wasn't about let's get this plan together. Let's just go and let's just see what's up. And, and through that, honestly, just the amount of families and finder that you engage with, that again, you know by you being there. You, when I know, don't get me wrong, I know we're not the be all end all, but we just have to turn up. Mm-hmm. He'll do the rest. And I guarantee there's so many lives that we'll all touch, like I know I've touched throughout the years, that again, they're just doing their thing now. And you think, cool, I'm stoked I was part of that little bit of that journey. Mm. Somebody else awarded that seed, sweet ass. Mm. But I get to tell him, he trusted me for that little bit. Mm. And that's a cool thing. Cool. Yes. So here you're, you're at Hayata now, you're yeah. doing the social kind of Yeah, so they've, they've got me. Yeah, totally. And I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a social worker, even though I've been doing it for the last 20-odd years. Um, so I changed it to navigator because cool. um, I, I don't want to be called a social worker because people tend to think, you know, you're, gonna, you're from Oranga Tamariki or SIS back in the day and you're just here to take my kids away. Mm. So, just, so now my role is navigator slash communicator. Um, and so that's where I'm at now. But, yeah, and part of my role here within school is to help shape culture and help kids find their sort of pathway where they want to go, but also their families. Um, and like, like we just spoke earlier on, we just know a lot of our kids and their families, they only know what they know. Um, and us who have been in the planet a little bit longer, we can help with what we know and that sort of stuff. So that's what I do, do partial care for teachers. Um, and then still have my connections with communities. So I do a lot of stuff with training. So I train some of the guys at Ministry of Education, MSD. And again, it all just fits within the role that we do. Because it's part of the lifeline. So yeah, one idea. Yeah, it's cool. And is there anything that, I guess in each of these spaces, God's mm. grown and shaped you in different ways yeah. as you've been at Hayata what are some things you've bumped into in either in yourself or in the community that God's used to, to shape you to shape your ways of thinking what it means to be a Christian or yeah totally um, any of that kind of stuff yeah totally and I, I think I think the big thing for me the way he sort of shaped, shaped me within, especially within this place and obviously parts of the journey within the other workplaces is I get just um, having a really good look at myself so I'm, I'm very self-aware of what I'm not Mm-hmm. which is really good, because I know what I'm not, so I'm not going to try to be somebody I'm not. Um, but it's actually just trying to look through a different lens, and I think a lot of the time, I think within within our church circles, and I was part of that even more so when you're working in it, you do forget what's actually happening on the other side. Uh, and so it's really, it's, honestly, this has opened up a whole new world of just how, how I look at things now, um, how I you know look at theology, within how, I, how do I incorporate that with what I do. Um, um, I don't think I've called myself a Christian probably in the last coming up 15 years. I think now I've, I have a strong belief mm. who God is for me, and that's how I share it with others in this place. Um, but there's it's, absolutely is, insane. Is that because of what the, the connotations of the word Christian for you or for others? Yeah, totally. Um, there's just there's just so many bad examples of what Christian is, mm. and so for me, I just I just don't want to be tainted with that same brush. And I used to be that person. <laughs> so I'm not talking about it. I'm like, I was that guy. And I'm thinking, man, oh my gosh, how did I, what, I, what was I thinking like that? And so for me, I just want to make sure that I detach myself from, from that brush. And actually, no, no, I have, I have a deep belief in who God is for me. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. So I'm having totally peace. But yeah, just, you, you, learn, you learn a lot on, on the job because, it could, because you're colliding with community every day. And each day is a different day. Mm. I just had a mum just come in because you know, her daughter has been taken away. Now that stuff's real. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's my role in that? Well, my role is to care for her. Yeah. We, she may not see her daughter, that's the reality. But if I can do my bit in actually helping her in her way and looking at it from another angle and maybe getting some other good supports around her, then 
then surely that's going to be a good thing. So, mm. And those are the things I collide with on a daily basis. If it's not drug and alcohol related, um, it's current sets or whatever. Um, it's working with the local police to do stuff to make sure that that does seen um, as a real help, as an extension of community, not just you know these guys and guys and girls in blue that tell you off. No, it's more than that. So and that's I guess that's what I'm learning. Um, just need to build relationships. Mm. And and, and I, if anything, it's probably one thing I'd just love to do is keep on honing in that craft mm. of what that looks like, and then actually making sure that when I'm in front of these people and with these different organisations, that I package it in a way that actually makes sense. That's probably the, yeah, that's what I've been doing cool. for the while. <laughs> Um, can we talk about the awards that you got nominated for? Oh, totally, bro. Years ago, what? Yeah. Tell us, tell us about that and yeah. how, how that came about. Yeah, totally. So that was uh, the LGBTQA plus uh, New Zealand awards. Uh, that was the first time it was held in uh, New Zealand last year, uh, and that's from being a, a advocate. I was they they had me another. Uh, what was it? The corporate ally. And basically, what I what it, what it is is me supporting the the gay community, mm. um, and 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 all that sort of all that stuff that entitles on the gay community. And it was really cool. It was I was nominated from community because uh, I run a group here called Saga Sexuality and Gender Acceptance. Um, one of the kids actually made that up. It was really cool. Uh, I had this other one that was so stupid. Like I'm so stoked they didn't put that up there because it would just been embarrassing, bro. Like oh yeah, he's straight. Fair enough. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, I've also, again, that's that sort of come out of um, this whole journey of actually, you know, my own kids and where they're at and, and what they're seeing um, for them. But yeah, and so I got nominated, ended up going into Auckland, Shelley and I, got sponsored by some good friends because you had to pay to get up there and all that sort of stuff. But it was, again, it was really cool because you got, again, to um, kiss community in that sense. Mm. And, and heard, oh man, I've heard so many stories on the night of just brokenness, mm. you know? And I was like, why are these people so broken? And why is it becoming about them and us? And I think that's why I've become a real big advocate. But that's that started about six years ago. Yeah. Again, just through what am I doing about this? And you know, I could pray the I could pray the pray the game out of lots of people, and I've done that. Yeah. And I'm really embarrassed by that. Yeah. Um, and I look back, oh my gosh! But I know that's another thing that God sort of said, "Well, what are you doing?" Yeah. So, yeah, and I think the revelation for that was when our oldest boy Harrison came out, and that was. It's been about six years ago now, so you know you got an you got an older kid, um, our oldest boy's twenty four now, who knows mum and dad are pastors, mm. um, who's going through all this stuff. Mm. He went through ten years of where do I go all this, but mum and dad they lead a church. Dad's part of the apostolic team. Mm. Oh my gosh, dad does this, that, you know, and it's like, but you know, until the point where you know he went to take his life a couple of times. Wow, uh, you know, and. And, so, and then uh, when he came out six years ago, he, he was in Japan at the time, and he rang us, and, and all I just thought was, oh my gosh, this is it. What the hell? I thought he, got, he when he rang, I thought somebody was pregnant. I thought, oh, as a dad, this is what I thought. He says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually gay. And I'm thinking, you're what? You know, this is two o'clock in the morning, you only get those phone calls if something's happened. And mm-hmm. I was just thinking, what the hell? What are you talking about? And I had to go down to Dunedin, because <laughs> it's like, what? And I remember crying for the whole day, Got down into the George Eight Five Eight again. I was in the bathroom. I was supposed to take a lead, I was supposed to take training for a whole staff. I told my boss, "I can't. You're gonna have to take it. I'm. I'm just. I just. I'm not in that space." Mm. I remember ringing a couple of people to let them know. You know, they oh, we're praying for you, bro. Don't worry about it. Blah blah blah. And it's gonna be a game. Blah blah. So it's finished. But I remember sobbing in the bathroom, looking in the mirror, which is probably not a good look because I just had snot cry. It was ugly as man. Yeah. But I just remember crying, and I just felt again this words that came real clear into my head. Why are you crying? Your boy's alive. He's breathing. Mm-hmm. What is your problem? Those were the exact words. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I rang Shelley. We're going to be okay. This is what it is. And then that just opened this amazing, even more so, this type of relationship with our boy. Our kids, our kid, you know, like Gabrielle and Coops are fully aware and love their brother to bits and support them. So, and that's what started the whole journey of. Okay, there's a whole people group that I have no idea, mm. and I need to get engaged with them. And it's really easy to have moral stances on things that don't affect you. Um, oh, totally. And when suddenly they affect you, you've got to embrace th- that journey. Um, yeah, well, you do. It's like, you know, I've read about all of this stuff and mm. done all this, and oh my gosh, it's in my family, mm. you know, so to speak. What am I going to do about it? 
I'm going to pray the gate of my boy or what? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I'm going to love my boy mm. uh, for who he's created to be. And I want to journey with him. And that's all he's going to get from us. If he needs anything else, then And so, but through that, in these six years, it's opened up a lot of conversations through a lot of kids that have come out to their parents. A lot of kids, their parents are pastors just like us. Mm. So again, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful we're part of that world. Because it never would have been. And we get to share our own experiences and connect. and mm. So yeah, that's how it all started. That's uh, obviously the journey, then obviously getting the award, and that was a real cool. Mm. Um, but funny enough, we got the award, posted it up on Facebook, and just got a couple of emails from dumbass people. And yeah. But again, it's a whole thing, because again, people, if they haven't engaged with it, or they haven't embraced them, that, you know, kiss community in that sense, they'll never know. Mm. But I wouldn't change it for the world, bro. Like, mm. man. I guess what I love about the award that you got is that that's not it's not actually about you it's about how safe you've made people feel and how welcome you've made oh, people feel yeah totally and and that you've been someone who's allowed people to have a voice and have a yeah. safe space and you know I look at I look at Jesus and that's what he did for those on the margins Huge. you know that the, the people the people he had to go at were actually the religious people and the yeah. people that he stood up for were those who actually didn't have a voice. Um, and it didn't matter whether he agreed with what they were doing or yeah. not. Um, you know, I was thinking the other day actually about, you know, he's, he says to Zacchaeus in, in like Luke 19, I think it is, he says to Zacchaeus, hey, I'm going to come to your house for dinner. So he goes and has a dinner and he knows that this guy's money has all come through cheating people and, mm. and that's the money that's been used to buy the dinner and he eats it, you know, because actually he's not on this moral high ground of, well, I'm not going to eat that if you, that's yeah, the totally. profits of, you know. Um, yeah. What he does is go, man, you're not being loved by society mm. and I'm going to love you. Totally. And it's beautiful. And that's that's what he did. And, and so yeah, that for me I, I I look at that award and I I don't think personally, I don't think it matters which side of the theological debate you land on in terms of what you think of, of gender roles or whatever. Mm. I don't think that for me that doesn't matter in the fact that these are people we should be loving because they're people. Um, and yeah. that actually there's a whole lot of stuff that Christians have done over the years and said over the years that are actually because they don't have relationship with people. And totally. and it's easy to be afraid of the unknown. Um, but once you know, like once you meet people and you engage with them, you find out that yeah. they're people. Well, and and yeah. actually, let's just love people. So, um, yeah, that's I, I just think that's awesome that you're, you're doing that mahi as well here. Yeah, no, I love it, yeah. And like you're saying, and I, I was that I was that person on the other side of the ledger, so to speak. Mm. Um, you know, and I had, to, I had to bring all the people, all the young people that I work with throughout the years of the counsel that I gave about them coming out to apologise. <laughs> so it's one of those. Oh my gosh, mm. that was I thinking. Mm. But again, it's, yeah, it's so true. I just think, and all of that stuff. I'm, I'm grateful because, like you said, with Jesus, he he set the example. Where where in our humanistic eyes, we tend to look at things. A lot of that sort of stuff or whatever being quite chaotic mm-hmm. and chaos and a lot of people don't like chaos. I'm OCD. I don't like chaos. Mm-hmm. But chaos was his norm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and loving loving those undesirables was his norm and I thought there's, there's so much in that that we that we just glaze over mm-hmm. without actually checking, oh my gosh, we need to check ourselves, yeah. you know. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But if we do our bit, surely. Yeah. Surely. <laughs> Cool. Um, the last bit we haven't really talked about yeah. is is the um, getting involved in the deaf community because you mentioned oh, yeah. that in passing as as you talked yeah. about Esme and adopting her and um, yep. you know that's obviously shaped some of your world as well. So you yeah, totally. Tell us a bit about that. Mate, I mean that's a kill the hell is Esme now six years. So that's a six year journey with that. Yeah. So um, relearning a, a language. Mm. Um, because again, without Ismay's hearing aid, she she can't hear. <laughs> That's reality. Yeah. And so what it did was open up this amazing community to us that I didn't even know existed. Like mm. I was so naive, I was so dumb. But 
again, it just opened up all these convos of, of people um, that, that look like us in that sense. But again, you, you could just be you, and, and again, it wasn't about sharing your faith in that sense, but it was actually being your faith. Mm. It's been that message wrapped up in skin. And it was really cool. Like, I, I mean, we've we're great, we're got some great friends, you know, and it's funny, like, we'll sign, you know, from far distance, and you just, ah, oh, you know, you sort of know those ones that are, Shelley's a legit ninja at sign. Esme's amazing. So it's really nice. It's, again, that's brought us really close as a family, even more so, just the, what do we need to do to make sure that Esme's going to get the best possible start. Mm. So I think Harrison took a paper at uni. Uh, on the deaf language, Gabrielle just finished hers. Again, because we just want to be so in tune with this stuff. Mm. And they didn't have to. But their thing was, because of what mum and dad does, so they just follow the example. Well, you guys moved in there because you wanted the best thing. Well, we can do our bit. And, and, it's, and, and those guys have gone into their own um, organisations where they live, uh, like Harrison in Japan, just to connect mm. because of that. Cool. And so I think, yeah, I'm real, I'm real grateful again because I, I wouldn't have known that community. One of being really good mates with a lot of them. I still don't have to play rugby without here because it's crazy. <laughs> they want to meet a place yeah. and now I can hear. Nah. <laughs> yeah. But again, that's the whole thing, you know. Um, yeah, so it's it's quite, quite a different world, isn't it? I'd, Massively different. I've, I've got deaf family members. And, yeah, what you were saying? Yeah. 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 It's, oh, um, crazy. You know, even because oh, I lived with, with a deaf auntie and uncle for a year. Um, and even the fact that the doorbell flashes instead of rings, you know, yeah. it, it, um, that took a while to get used to because it just wasn't my normal, but it was their normal. It was their normal, yeah. Um, yeah, my auntie's actually at oh, late 60s, she's just got a cochlear implant. Is she? And so this auntie that has been profoundly deaf yeah. my entire life and, and more rang me up and talked to me on the phone, blew my mind. Um, but she straddles that world somehow of yeah. being too deaf for the hearing community and too hearing for the deaf community, and crazy. Eh? And it's a it's an interesting place because, um, again, I think it's really easy for not just as Christians but as society to yeah. to just group around what makes us normal, whatever that is. What is <laughs> um, it? Yeah. And and if you if you don't fit the normal thing then you get to be your own subculture that we don't really engage with. Yeah. Um, and and I, what I love about your journey is just watching you refuse to bow down to that way of doing things. Oh, totally, that, man. That actually over and over again, whether it's Samoa, um, Te Oroho, Hayata, deaf community, mm. even just the way you parent, you know, that, that over and over again you're going, actually this way that the world says we should be working and that actually the church has bought into a lot of yep. um, over the years. Actually, this isn't the way that Jesus asked us to live. No. Um, and and if heaven's going to be this thing on earth that God intended, yep. actually that's about following the example of Jesus, following the way of Jesus, and yep. loving people because they're people. Um, yep. So, yeah, massive blessings to you and your whanau. Nah, thanks, bro. Um, I was just going to say too, just even with their deaf community stuff, especially in the islands too, because a lot of kids won't chat to you. Yeah, right. If, and so sign language has been a real healer for a lot of them. Okay. Um, and we had one kid who was found in the village, and he thought he was a dog, because oh, he was he grew up with dogs. You know, he was, he was neglected. And so when we met this boy, his name's Ngali, he's a beautiful kid, beautiful kid. My thing was engaged with him in, in sign, and he learned sign. And now he can talk now. This is like year, two years later. He can talk, but he still knows sign. So I think there's, again, Esme being deaf has opened up this whole way of communicating mm. to people. So it's all that sort yeah, of stuff. Right. But again, you know, it's just one of those little stories. Yeah. Just when you're talking, it just came to my head. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, is there anything you want to leave as an encouragement or a challenge for people? Um, yes. <laughs> I think, yeah, for what it's worth, um, yeah, I, I, lo I look at our local churches where they're at at the moment, in churches around the world, and I know the decline is, is is ramping up even more so. And I just look at the different things that I get to see in my world on a daily basis, and I think there's so much that we miss out on. Don't lose don't lose sight of actually what's around you. I th I think we can. And don't get me wrong, because I was I was I was I was in that beast, so to speak, within church. Um, and sometimes I get, we, we get this whole thing. You know, we're planning a church, we're planning a meeting, 
you know, or actually we just need to engage in our Monday to Friday and whatever that looks like. And I just think we can't lose sight of that sort of stuff. And there's, I mean, like you said, we're just ordinary people doing ordinary stuff really well. Mm. And God makes that stuff extraordinary. Mm. And I just think, yeah, we just, you know, my encouragement to whoever's listening to this is don't lose sight of that stuff. Don't lose sight of the small thing because he's, he's faithful for the small and he's faithful for the big. That's just how it works. Just my two cents worth. Awesome. Thanks, Jerry. Perhaps. Cheers, bro. So there's a mass load of stuff to unpack in that conversation. Uh, So much that we can take into consideration for our own lives. What were the moments that resonated with you? What were the moments that felt uncomfortable for you? Sit with those. Be challenged by those. Ask yourself what that means for you and the way you live. Jeremy's the first to admit that he's just an ordinary guy. Yet there's something about him that seems extraordinary because he doesn't just follow the normal path. He takes the words of Jesus seriously, loving those that some might call the least of these. He sees the humanity in people and acts towards them in dignifying, uplifting ways. May we all learn to do the same. So thank you, Jeremy, for your time and for all you do to help to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Next time we hear from medical doctor Jeremy Baker, we talk opera, the medical profession, the separation of medicine and spirituality in the West, and what he has found as he's brought those two worlds back together. We also look at what he's up to now, looking to inspire and train others to help to fill the gap in the mental health system that sees so many fall through the cracks. Until then, me noi tato. E to matau matua i te rangi, kia tapu to ingoa, kia tau mai to rangatira tanga, kia me te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua, kia rite ano ki to te rangi. Humai kia matau ai nei, he taro ma matau mo te nei ra, muro matau hara. Me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga e harana kia mātou. Aua hoki mātou e kawia kia whakawaia. Engari whakorangia mātou i te kino. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.